Welcome to Cross the World with Kelly Miller, where we take you behind the curtain to see what it's like for some of the most impoverished children and families on the face of the planet, and how we can help transform their lives from deepest need to thriving joy. I'm your host, Kelly Miller, the president and CEO of Cross International. And I'm Chris McIntyre, co-host of Cross the World. This is episode three, our back to school episode. It's that time of year. Of course, in this country, being in school is something we take for granted. That's not the case for impoverished children in developing countries. So, Kelly, you and I are both parents, and we know what it's like for our kids to return to school. And you know that that sense of excitement? But it's a different kind of excitement for a poor kid in a developing country, isn't it? That it is, and it really is. <laughs> it's a different environment in so many ways, man. I'm, you know, it's uh, you know. To your point, we're, we're we're both parents, and you know, we were kids at once, weren't we? I think long ago, and uh, had our times in 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 school, and and of course, raising our kids in, in school. There, there's so much value. Obviously, we we know the value of education, right? For our children and our families mm-hmm. and such. Um, boy, I tell you, it, it the the value of education for kids in 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 developing countries um, is almost off the charts. If you can imagine, it's hard for us to imagine. It really is. But um, you know, I don't remember. Uh, you may remember these days. I certainly remember these days where I would sit in school, particularly you know. Well, no, I'm gonna say all years. <laughs> I was gonna say a couple <laughs> years, but probably all years for me. I'd be sitting there and going, man, I, I just I have to be here. I really don't want to be here. And that is such a contrast for so many children in developing countries that get the opportunity, the opportunity to go to school. And I think that's the key word for this particular podcast is, is opportunity. And when we look at education for kids in, 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 in these cultures and, and environments, they understand. They've got opportunity. When they get a chance to walk into that schoolroom, there isn't the attitude of, I have to be here. Uh-uh. It's the opposite. The attitude is, I get to be here. I get to learn. I get to advance in life. Because more often than not, my parents never had that opportunity. Maybe my siblings don't have that opportunity or relatives or what have you. But I get to be here. And I'm telling you what a what a, a a difference that is in perspective. I know it was from from my school years, but it's one that that um, when you go and you get a chance to engage uh, with these kids in in school, um, uh, you see it and, and you feel it, and it's visceral. And, yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. You've been there. You, you, well, yeah. you know, one of the things that you know you get is almost to a person. When you talk to parents, you know, in developing countries, you say, you know, what, what, what's, the, what's the one thing that you want? You, and they say, I want a better life for my kid. But for them, I mean, we say that too, but for them, it's real. You know, Chris, I, I would love for us to talk about, if we can, take a journey to a few different countries. And uh, here we are, it's, it's, it's late August in 2022, and... We're about a year anniversary, or if that's the right word or not, from um, uh, uh, the U.S. forces pull out from Afghanistan and and uh, earth, earthquake in Haiti, 
almost right. simultaneously. I mean, just a few weeks apart, about a year ago. So it's big in the news right now, right, in terms of, of the Afghan uh, situation. And, and I'd like to take listeners uh, uh, uh Back to Afghanistan, if I could. I spent a fair amount of time there years ago, um, and in the post, well, in the, I wouldn't say post Taliban, but two thousand and one after nine eleven, mm-hmm. uh, I was with another organization at the time, and and as the Taliban had collapsed and the Northern Alliance had uh, had victory and the, and and the new government was getting established, if you remember. For the years prior with the Taliban uh, uh, regime. Uh, Women and, and girls, especially, were kept out of society. Prior to that, you know, women and girls were very engaged in the Afghan society. Uh, doctors, lawyers, you know, politicians, you name it, right? And then in the Taliban years, they were just set aside. And girls going to school just didn't happen. And our organization at the time was very engaged in the early days of helping girls especially get back into school, 2001, two and three, and, and, and beyond that, uh, up in the north, uh, Mazar Sharif, and that that particular area and, and region, it was very challenging, but also incredibly uh, rewarding. You know, on our side participating, but what was really cool was here are these young girls who some of them never had a chance before because they were so young. They 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 were born into the Taliban years, but now they have the opportunity to go to school. And they understood that opportunity, and they got it. They got it. And here we are a year later, with all that's gone on, and, and now, today, it's almost back to zero for girls going to school and women in society in Afghanistan. That's an incredible tragedy. We'll see over time how that, that plays out as of today. But let's contrast that a little bit, you know, to where is hope and opportunity through school, and, and if we could, let's let's hop on the plane again and come back to the Western Hemisphere, and uh, let's go to Haiti, where we do a lot of work. And uh, you know, Haiti is a tough place. We all know that. If if you're all in the news, it's been a difficult place for mm-hmm. many many years. It still is today, but there is hope, and there is opportunity in Haiti. And so often in 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 the culture there. Uh, uh, for our listeners to understand, uh, it's a it's an incredibly impoverished uh, uh, country and, and, and community. It's, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Um, there's a lot of, of uh, factors behind that, but uh, you know, the economy is is uh, very very uh, challenged. Uh, of course, governmental uh, situation right now is very unstable and such. Uh, but for young children and families that are impoverished. Uh, many of those kids are, uh, if the family can't care for those kids, they're sent to perhaps a relative or another family, and they're uh, uh, under the guise of that family will care for them and help them go to school. So that child is 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 called what's called a restivac child, right? That's the term, and it's a, it's not a good term for children in Haiti. It's basically a a, a term of ser- servitude for these children. So our work, much of our work, and, and, and other organizations similarly in Haiti and, and, and in cultures similar to that, are identifying these kids that are in incredibly difficult, impoverished situations and helping them have opportunity through school, right? They may have been taught in their young and early years in life that, that your lot in life is, 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 again, poverty, no job, no opportunity, what have you. 
And to be able to have that child and those children attend a primary school, you know, is an incredible thing. And they get it. They absolutely get it. And I'll give you an example. We, a few years ago, uh, right before COVID hit, uh, I was in, uh, in Haiti uh, visiting our, uh, our, our programs there. And we have one partner called the Divine Shelter School, where we work with them with, I think, we're 13, 14 schools around the country right now, all for these kids. You know, most of them are rest of ec children who have no opportunity at home, but they're getting an opportunity through school. And we went to this one school just outside of Port-au-Prince, the capital city. And, and here we are, if you can imagine, if you're a listener, if you can imagine you're in Port-au-Prince, capital city of Haiti, a very densely populated uh, urban center that's got uh, well over 4 million people in it now and a lot of, of um, shanty communities and uh, uh, very, very dense urban squalor in much of the city. Not all of it, but much of it. And as you drive through these uh, uh, dusty, dirty streets, through, through these buildings, you get to the edge of the city, driving out towards the airport, and it starts to get a little bit rural. So you've got, you've got some palm trees and some banana trees and sugarcane, you know, wild sugarcane growing as you're driving down this roadway. And then, you know, a few miles outside of town, you come to this compound. And again, for our listeners, if you haven't been to a developing country, most buildings, most homes, most buildings are surrounded by what? A concrete wall, right, that's usually skimmed with, with, uh, with plastered and it's usually got a barbed wire on the top, and that's your, your compound. It's not, uh, it's not abnormal. It's the norm for uh, most uh, homes and facilities in, in, in developing country. So we drive out to the school. It's called SART. And, um, and we, 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 we drive through the, the double metal doors that open up. They kind of creak to this side, and we, we pull into the little parking area, and there's maybe room for four or five cars. And there's a couple hundred kids, young, I mean, six, seven, eight-year-old children that are there. And they're, in, they're during recess time. So it's not staged you know, for us you know, from across the national coming. We, we just happen to pull in at that time. And I'm telling you what, the, the, the joy on these kids' faces in terms of being there and being a part of school was incredible. And then we did have a chance to go into a few of the classrooms. And as our listeners are going to hear, this was the welcome that we got from them. Come to understand. Let's step back again a little bit. You know, in the Western world, we value education. I mean, the whole world values education. Let's not Absolutely. let's not uh, uh, say otherwise, right? But in our Western mind, we put such a high value priority on education that we think it's almost the panacea for all the world's problems. That's a really good point. You know, and and to the point. It, it, the higher the education, I mean, you can. There's a direct correlation between coming out of poverty and and moving forward in life with education level. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Right. But there's also many many um, 
uh, times, places, cultures in our world where we have had very educated people um, going to war, waging war. Uh, uh, you, know, you fill in the blank in terms of, of where the educated world has, has not done right by itself, right? So at the, you've got to get deeper than just education. And when you're addressing the heart and the minds of people, and particularly kids, this is where the trigger point uh, turns positive. And this is what I love about uh, much of the work that we do in organizations like ours from a Christian perspective. And, and you, again, go into the, the Divine Shelter of School schools and others that we work with around the, around the world that are all from a, from a Christ-centered basis. It's not a, a just about, you know, pluses and minuses, you know, uh, nouns and verbs, whatever it may be. All those are important things. But part of the learning also is that you, young one, there's a God, and that right. God created you, and you have value in life. You have identity. You may live a challenged life right now. You may be a restivic child, you know, living in a, in a really crummy environment. But you know what? There's a God who created you, who loves you, and who cares for you, and has hope and opportunity for you, right? Different, different from what you and I might have in our, in our culture, different from what our children may have, but still there for children. And that's the, that's the game changer in education, particularly in developing countries, when you've got a, a Christ-centered uh, underline be with, along with uh, the, the, the addition, the subtraction, uh, the, the nouns and verbs, right? The sciences, all the things that, that kids are learning. And that's where that opportunity really takes root for children because they understand that they've got an identity beyond the very challenged circumstances around them. And that plays out. How does that play out? Well, let me, let me give you a couple of examples, all right? Uh, let's shift gears. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna leave Haiti for a little bit, and now we're going to fly back to, uh, we're going to fly to Africa, and we're going to go to Uganda, okay, in kind of northeastern Uganda, uh, uh, on the continent, uh, northeastern part of the continent. And one of our project partners there is called the uh, Project Princess Initiative, or PPI uh, 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 for short. And I'm telling you, Chris, it's an incredible uh, uh, place to, to visit and, and, and be there. And, and this is uh, a ministry and an education tutoring program for young girls in Kampala, the capital city of, of Uganda. And so often, culturally there, you know, young girls, uh, it's early marriage and early uh, uh, childbirth. So early marriage literally could be 12, 13, 14 years old, and, and childbirth not too long after that. And our work with Project Princess Initiative says, look, uh, let's work with the school systems because the, the school systems are overwhelmed themselves, but help identify the most at-risk at risk children, girls in particular, and and help them understand that there's there is a um, there's more to life than a short education because oftentimes they don't finish school and they get married and, and such and that there is opportunity for these children. So our work with these kids is to is a, it's an after school school tutoring program. So it leverages the education that they get in the in the in the formal school and the tutoring itself actually is almost as good or better educational teaching that they get in the, in the formal school. And I was there a couple of years ago and so many of these girls, you know, they've never been, they've heard of a computer, but they've never seen one, let alone touched one. 
you know, and they'll come in, they'll come into the tutoring the first day and, and they'll just be in awe looking at this thing, right? And there's this screen and there's this keyboard and they'll start pecking at it and tapping at it, you know, and how kids are, right? Three days later, they're doing Google searches and they're, they're printing <laughs> Word docs. You know, it's just, it's hilarious, but it's true. I mean, they seize the what? The opportunity, right? And they see that and it, it instills them the, the sense of hope, an identity in Jesus that they've got, there's more, great thing to get married, great thing to have children, right? But in its right time, in its right time. And this is part of the education process, particularly from a, from a, a, a faith-valued education process to help these kids realize that there is hope and opportunity, but your identity is in Jesus, right? And, and Jesus wants this for you, and, it, and it's part of your education process. So children, again, all around the world have some opportunities to uh, attend school and and to uh, seize these opportunities with a heart and mind that, as we've talked about, but what does that look like long term? Well, let me get you on a plane again. We're actually going to fly back to the island that Haiti is on, and it's called, as you know, because it's Hispaniola, right? And it's right. got two countries. What it's right. got? It's got Dominican Republic right. and Haiti, the DR and Haiti, right? <laughs> and uh, both countries share that same island, but. You know, as we've talked about, and we'll probably talk in another segment down the road. Well, you fly over that that island, you look down, and you just see the demarcation, physical demarcation yeah, between it's the two. Amazing. Yeah, and it's just it's a result of the heart of man, and we'll talk more about that later. But but let me give an ex- a couple of examples uh, in in the Dominican Republic. I was there uh, just a few months ago visiting our, our projects there, and let's talk about education and the value of education. And and, and and in simple terms, because in, in the countries where we work, most of the economy is is in the, what we call the informal economy, right? So uh, you're a street vendor. You uh, you make and sell uh, baked goods. You have a little sewing business that you do. So you're not necessarily hired by a quote-unquote company or an organization like you might here in the States, but you've got a little small business and you're entrepreneurial and you're out, you're out making hay. Making a business—that's the informal economy. You're not in anybody's particular roster or or tax base. Much of the economic basis for uh, uh, within developed countries are based on that that uh, informal economy. How does education play into that? Well, let me give an example in the Dominican Republic. So, very basic: a third grade education. Third grade education, hmm. right? Something that, that we wouldn't even think about. It's like, hey, you're just getting going here in, in the U.S. and in, 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 the, in Western countries. But for people to achieve a third-grade education, the DR, it's a pretty common stopping point. Not starting point, but stopping point for so many, yeah. right? But the opportunity to go from a third-grade education to a sixth-grade education. Now we're talking, Right. Double your education, right? And just economically, Chris, that almost, and depending on the type of work that you do, that can almost double a person's income on average, hmm. right? And there's, there's statistics to, to bear that out. But just one of those ahas, like a simple step up from a third-grade education to a sixth-grade education can double your income in a country like the Dominican Republic, right? And that, that scenario is replicated differently, but it's replicated in so many different cultures around the world that we work in. And it's the value, the economic value, of having a, a, an education, even a very simple education. Let's scoot across the border, and we're going to go back to Haiti. 
And let me tell you a story about a, a, a fellow that I know, and I know you know him also. His name is Chris Nall. And um, this is where the, the blend of community development that, that Cross and others like us do, and edu- education be a part of that, really is telltale. And Chris Nall, as a young boy, um, uh, grew up in a very impoverished rural village in Haiti. There wasn't much what? There wasn't much opportunity for him. But another uh, NGO, this is, this is literally decades ago, uh, stepped in, non, non-governmental organization like Across International, stepped in and, and provided what we call a goat bank <laughs> for Crystal, right? So little goats, right, that he raised. So uh, the capital was <laughs> with money. <laughs> goats that are all over Haiti. Exactly right, right? But of high value, there's a reason That's they're right. there, right? But uh, so... Christon was his family was identified as, as a family in need, and um, and the whole program was for Christon to raise these goats, care for them, sell them in the marketplace, earn money for what school so he could attend. And what did that do for him? It created what? Well, it, it opportunity, opportunity because they're they're literally a savings account for an entire family. Absolutely is absolutely. So roll the clock forward. That work, that opportunity for him. And then to go to school, which created more opportunity for him, and then to go to university after that, right? Today, decades later, he's a working professional. Uh, he and I worked together in another organization years ago. He was actually our country manager <laughs> in Haiti. I mean, a, a big job, big job, right? And he works with us now a little bit with Cross also. Right, but right. that's just one example of, of, of literally millions, around the globe that have, when they have opportunity to go to school, right? Now you can multiply that millions by many that don't have the opportunity. And that's where we try to step in and provide that opportunity for each of them. The, the other extreme also is, you know, education doesn't necessarily need to be for children. Again, I was in Dominican Republic a few months ago and had a chance, what a, what a privilege this was, to go to a graduation ceremony for people, children and adults, who had gone from that grade three to grade six. And this was the graduation ceremony from, from graduating from grade six. And I had the absolute uh, privilege to be able to speak there to this group of people. One of the students who I met, 73-year-old man, 73 years old. And he had graduated, and the, the pride on this guy's face, you know, uh, the, the smile on his face was huge. I mean, beyond what you could possibly, I could possibly imagine. So we had a chance to talk, and and he's in tears. He's in, literally in tears. He's got his diploma in hand, and I'm asking him, "Tell me, what does this mean for you?" And 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 he's in, in a broken voice and through translation, he's telling me because the education at that at that point also was reading and writing. Right? I can now sign my name. Go figure. 73-year-old man who can now, through an entire life, he couldn't sign his name. And I said, well, what does that mean to you? And he says, I have an identity. I am somebody. Yeah, it means something. It means something to him, right? And he he knows he's a Christian man. He knows his his real identity is through Christ. But in the culture, in the context, right, he now had a name that could be put on documents and pieces of paper. It was no longer known as X. Exactly. I mean, it's it, it's amazing sometimes that that just the fact that these people are able to to read, to write, 
and then to be able, and you know, and, and you were saying the difference between the third grade and the sixth. I honestly didn't know that, Kelly. That that is isn't that amazing? It really is. Well, I, aha! You go. Yeah. It's so. It sounds so simple. You're saying doubling your income. Doubling that's, your income. That, that's amazing. From a third grade to a sixth grade, we're not talking, you know, from a a bachelor's degree to a master's and a PhD. We're talking well, third grade to sixth grade. You know, it's it's funny because we always here in this country we talk about the importance of uh, being able to get a college education, but here is something where people can actually work their way out of poverty. It's true. And that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And it, it, to your point, it's very basic. It's not simple, right? But it's very basic. And and that is where, where the table is set for, for so many people to be able to take that step of hope, through hope, to opportunity right. in life, right? And again, you go back to the story of Christone and, and this 73-year-old man and... Um, you know, the song we're going to end with, with these kids singing, they're, they're, you're going to hear it in, in Creole, but what they're saying, this is our time together to rejoice. This is our time together to rejoice. like to learn more about Cross International and make a difference in the lives of vulnerable children and their family members, visit our website at crossinternational.org. See you next time at Cross the World with Kelly Miller.